All right, there we bourbon. It's here. Another virtual bar appearance by the great Javier Mackey, retired Green Beret. Hopefully, we'll be following in the man's footsteps who I introduce next, along with Joe Kent, currently running for the Washington State District 3 Congressional Office. We'll be rocking the Joe Kent for Congress shirt. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right, so that's who I'll be speaking with tonight. They're going to tell you a little bit about how their paths have kind of crossed throughout their careers and overlapped. And then we'll get into Javier's foundation that he wants to talk about a little bit more. And I, I know it's a great effort and there's a lot that's been going on and that he's been pushing with that. Um, the first real quick, you know, Joe is a man of uh, culture and taste, as I've said, and he appreciates a good pumpkin spice latte season. So happy pumpkin spice latte season <laughs> to the two of you. Uh, so we'll have a little season bit of that. that. Yeah. And then, uh, so, so I, I usually try to, to get something that coincides with the guest. I've already done the horse soldier bourbon, which I know is, you know, special operators guys, but we've got the legendary Duke bourbon tonight, oh, right? It's, you can't see the label, but John Wayne started this and he played a green beret in a movie once. So there we go. All right. And then we've got, we've got a little Brown. Uh, I've just, this is so weird. A little, I don't even, it's by Heritage Distilling, which I believe is in Washington, Joe, right? Have you heard of them? It is. Yeah. Okay. So this is their brown sugar bourbon. It's the high altitude. So it's at 103 proof, which is right up my alley, but it's just bourbon infused with some brown sugar and cinnamon. So we're going to give that a whirl. It's kind of weird, but why not? So there we are. All right, boys. How's it going? Going good, man. Yeah. All right. So I know we, we've kind of talked about this in the chat off and on, uh, but for those who are not privy to the, 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 the details of some really important things that get discussed throughout the day in that chat, <laughs> not at all. Um, how did you two first come into each other's lives in the world of the United States Army's special operations community? Well, signed into the Q course together at the same time and we're E4s, and we had to go to a little course called PLDC, which I think has a different name now. It but, is, but yeah, it's primary leadership development course. I went to that too once, so we've all been in way too long at this point, but yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah, the we warrior were, uh, leaders right, course, Joe. I think we were right there before the whole 18 x-ray program fully came yep. online. We had some of the first ones in our class, like the, the, the test the test 18 x-rays, but because SWIC didn't have a PLDC set up internally, they sent, they sent us down the street to, to 18th Airborne Corps, which was a... Uh, a cultural experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. It, it, it was really, it, it was, we were kind of out of our element. Uh, I think more so for Joe than it was for me for uh, just simply because, um, you know, Joe came from the uh, Ranger Regiment. I came from the 82nd. And so I was kind of okay. used to that used world, to but, yeah. but once you make it through selection, you just like, you know what? I don't have to deal with this BS anymore. And so, <laughs> so it was like big armies, like last, last little lick at us. So, Oh yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So what year was that? Ooh, 2005, 2002. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it was we'll get a bracket. There's enough TBI in here. We just <laughs> yeah. have a bracket. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's been in the last 20 years. So that's good. Uh, I think it was like that, January 2002 or February, yeah. March, that time frame. Yeah, it was cold. I remember that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was like, I think it was five of us, five from SWIC, maybe six. And um, yeah. we, enough to really be targeted. 
Yeah, we oh dude, we were targeted the whole time we were there because um everything from teasing. Oh, as 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 the 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 wonderful internet connection in Florida. Oh, there he is. He's coming back. Oh, here's channel lines. Javi, you're kind of cutting in and out a little bit, but Joe, real quick, while he efforts that fix, because he's supposed to be one of those like really smart dudes. Those was, wasn't he like an engineer or some shit. In the, in the, but uh, so, what is SWIC for those who don't know what that is? Um, it's a special warfare, special warfare center. So that's like okay, where you go to the Q course, but they also have a bunch of different schools. So you right. kind of come in and out of SWIC throughout your special forces career. You can never, you can never fully escape it. Sometimes they try and suck <laughs> you in to be an instructor, but that's where you at least spend a year and some change of your. Uh, your, your life as a green beret, I guess. Okay. Did you guys ever get sucked into the instructor role? I never did. No, I didn't until uh, I became an ROTC instructor. And, okay. But uh, so not at SWIC though. Okay. Yeah. And not so at SWIC, no. The ROTC life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So what was, uh, what was your experience together going through the course? So, um, I think so. After PLDC, we went to uh, we went to our MOS phase. So, uh, um, or actually went to SUT, uh, Small Unit Tactics, out at Camp McCall. And um, we were at that point we were separated in uh, different companies. And uh... well, that's unfortunate. Joe, pick it up. <laughs> I'll try to pick it up, man. Yeah, we went to SUT. Yeah, he, he can correct me on my lies. We went to SUT. We were in different like squads or however they broke us down. SUT is small unit tactics, so it's kind of yeah. like a a mini ranger school Teams. that you don't get a badge for. Um, it's just the first part of the Q course to kind of get everybody on the same sheet of music and go through some common suck together um, of basic seven eight or whatever it is now. Ranger handbook, small unit tactics to make you proficient at the uh, the very basics before they teach you anything advanced. So. Um, I thought it was a fairly good time, but, uh, you know, it, there's, there's a good suck factor there. So you build some character. Yeah. So when you guys finished all that, did you guys ever actually serve in the same unit, I guess you would call it same team or anything like that? No, he went to third, I went to fifth. And I, I think actually it's kind of interesting for the GWAT, I guess the early GWAT era. I think we both had very third group and very fifth group experiences. Cause I think third did a ton of Afghanistan and fifth mm. did like a ton of Iraq. And I believe that's actually like kind of our, our two tracks. I think we saw each other again a couple of times at the, you know, at Bragg here and there when I'd have to go back for a school, obviously he was there at uh, third group, but, but yeah. So Javi, I remember when I talked to him once, he, he said he, he learned French, but he didn't learn anything because the instructor was always, you know, not really present. Yeah. That's <laughs> but what language did you learn, Joe? Oh man. So it's funny. I just said, I went to Iraq a whole bunch and I never went to Afghanistan. So you're probably guessing ah, what language okay. I learned. Okay. You're right. It. I learned Pashto. <laughs> so I, sp I spent six months in Pashto language school and couldn't buy a plane ticket to Afghanistan. I always ended up in Iraq or Yemen uh, or, or Northern Africa uh, throughout awesome. my career. So I eventually retooled and learned uh, Iraqi dialect of Arabic and modern standard, but I spent six months nugging through uh, Pashto. You still uh, speak a few words or just kind of been brain dumped at this point? No, it's it's so similar to like Farsi and Arabic that like and, and Kurdish too, um, that I brain dumped a lot of it. I think I could say like put your hands up and like Tusinge and all that stuff, but uh, you know. <laughs> I think we all can say but, that. But yeah, you know, and the funny thing is too, like this is early 02, and I think yeah. SWIC at the time was like, oh crap, there's this language that we haven't prioritized. 
let's hire some instructors that they didn't, but there wasn't a big pool of like posturing teachers out there in the United States. So I really kind of think they just hired some random dudes that said they spoke Pashtun. So I had a guy that was, was he, he was not ethnically Pashtun. He hated the Pashtuns. And so he literally spent about half a class telling us that like, there's no point in learning Pashtun and that they're all horrible people. So like every now and again, he would teach us like some Pashtun, but he didn't have a, a curriculum to follow. So it was literally him like Just printing stuff that he'd find off the internet and, and scribbling it on the whiteboard. So it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a lot like Javi's uh, French class, really, or his course. Yeah, you know when uh, when we when we went through language school, there was like it, a lot of it felt like it was new to the cadre and the teachers and everything because they were trying to just push. You know, they were trying to first of all get us language qualified, but they are also trying to get us to group as fast as possible. And um, yeah, like he said. Uh, a lot of times these instructors weren't very, um, they weren't culturally aligned with the language or, or the culture for that fact. And so um, like my, my, um, my French teacher was, because uh, they were, they wanted us to focus on Africa. So they had a lot of guys from like Cameroon yeah. and um, uh, Senegal teaching us French. But then my teacher was from Belgium. So she, and, you know, the the French although it's French is French you know yes. they speak different dialects of right. it too so it, it was there was a, there was a lot to be you know like I would go like where I would work with the French uh, commandos in uh, Afghanistan and try to um, converse with them in French and then they wouldn't understand a word I'm saying because I was you know primarily taught with the Flemish yeah. Um, uh, flair to it or an African flair. So they said, man, you just sound like you got a bunch of marbles in your mouth. <laughs> so that was going to be my question to both of you is based on the language that you learned, did you ever have issues? Obviously Javier did like, was that of any value to you over there or was it, you guys just kind of learned more with just the day-to-day -day interaction with the guys you were working with rather than relying on the language. Learning Pashto, I at least knew the foundations of like, there's some difference, but if you, you can, I can build, I knew how to read or sound out words. Um, and my first experience with, with Iraqis was we, we had a couple of Iraqis that spoke English from like listening to MTV and actually had pretty good American English, but I got put with Iraqis with <laughs> no interpreter. And so I wrote down a bunch of like key words, you know, especially for like small unit tactics, like stop, go, put your hands up you know, all that type of stuff. And then just kind of branched out from there into like, how do I tactically question somebody? Um, but having the foundation from Pashtun of like the alphabet, um, it, it helped a little bit. But that really, the first time I got left alone with a bunch of guys who did not speak the same language as me, I was like, ooh, language actually is really important. I kind of wish yeah. I would have had a really good language school experience as opposed to like the uh, the paid yeah. chance to go lift weights twice a day that I had. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, for me, it was like, like for me, it was, I had to learn French, but then I went to Afghanistan and never, you know, went to a Francophone country. And so I had to pick up what I could of Pashtu and Urdu and whatever other languages they were speaking at the time. But then uh, I got assigned to go to uh, Kyrgyzstan and uh, Tajikistan and I had to learn Russian and that was on my own. <laughs> uh for my first assignment and then i came back got some formal training after be after teaching myself russian 
and then going back and not needing an interpreter. Um, but now my Russian sucks. So, it, I mean, <laughs> I can understand it uh, fairly well, but trying to spit back some some verses, you know, and some rhymes with the, from the, from the with, Russian rappers. Yeah. It's uh, not you're not going to go yeah, out and win any battles in Moscow right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's like, like Joe said, it was like, I wish I, you know, we we're lifting all like we were, we we're like Navy SEALs, man, sleep, eat and lift and writing books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no books. No. Yeah. You guys haven't written books. Discount seals, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean in the latter years though like we, we're, we're fairly old guys now at this point but i think in the last 10 plus years sf got way better about codifying their language program yeah, they had some really hard standards and actually i went back and like retooled formally in arabic and i went to i didn't go to the course at bragg but i went to the course that we had at fort campbell at group locally and it was a way better program and they were they were getting guys to one ones and two twos um with just the oral proficiency being able to speak um, and listen, they were getting guys to that, that standard in very difficult languages in pretty short order. So I think in the time where, where Javi and I were out cutting our teeth and being the, being the test dummies in the Q course, they figured out like what didn't work. And then we were all yeah. fighting the wars. But like the, I felt like the green breakers that followed me later on, like they actually had some really good language yeah. skills. Yeah, I agree with that. Our, uh, our x-rays who are, or our guys who were coming out of the Q course spoke way better, whatever language than you know, uh, some of the older guys did and they were, yeah. you know, they were the ones kind of leading the charge on the language. Do you guys remember? Um, cause I don't know, like you guys are familiar with Rosetta stone. Yep. You guys remember it was around the time like Oh four Oh five where the army just made it free for everybody. Yeah. Was that kind yeah. of where you guys were getting your training from? Was it based in that or it started to, and then they took it away, I think in like 2010, I don't know, but yeah. Well, yeah, so we had we, we had a the language program they had was the special operations language program, okay. SALT, and it was like a crawl, walk, run method, like all army programs. And then uh, they would supplement it and augment it with uh, Rosetta Stone, okay, um, uh, Rapid Road, and a couple other programs depending on the language. Um, they would they would supplement the 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 salt training with that but at the end of the day um at during that time period at least in my opinion it was it it wasn't a really well-oiled machine until later on past the time i graduated yeah had to fucking learn i think that's uh, i think so much came out of the early era or the early years of the guat right to where it kind of got implemented so it it did eventually work yeah, they even uh, got rid of the, even other aspects of the Q uh, of the MOS training. They had to get rid of because it was kind of antiquated. Like Morse code was something they got rid of. Um, it's still in movies all the time, Javi. It was just in Squid Game. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> Joe. Have yeah, you seen yeah. Squid Game? Yes. Or Joe has no, seen it. Fucking Javi saw it. You got uh, Joe. I know you're busy trying to save a congressional district, but when you get some downtime. Watch Squid Game. <laughs> Squid Game. Okay. Squid Game on Netflix. It's it's insane. It's a Korean show, but it's it's nuts. It's insane. Um, yeah. English subtitles. Yeah, it is. Well, don't do the subtitles. Just do the dub no, over because no, no, I yeah. can't do subtitles. Like Maddie watches shows with subtitles, and I get I can't I can't focus on words, and then I, like I don't yeah, have that ability. Yeah. I'm not that smart. I'm pretty dumb. If you guys haven't figured it out by now, after a year and a half in a chat with me. Um, 
so all right so that was your experience early on did you guys cross at all any other time throughout your careers and your like past i know you guys were in different groups and focused on different areas and all but uh kind of what was the your last interaction before you both kind of went off and hung up uh, the i uniform? think I, I think it was just that like i was telling them when we when we start was at the callahan gym we yeah. he was i think he was going through the uh warrant officer course and i was going through anoc at the time and um yeah we would always see each other at the gym working out, you know, yeah. you know, just, every time we go out to brag, it's uh, a failure rate, uh, rate on, the, on the, on the, ellipt- <laughs> on the elliptical, <laughs> the elliptical going hard. Joe, you're an elliptical guy. Trying to preserve the joints, man. Uh, I don't know. I've seen your gym, man. I don't know if you're an elliptical guy, but no, I, the elliptical was huge in Iraq. Oh, three. I remember. That's Thank yeah. Big, big for good for like rehab, man. When you're, when you had a jacked up knee or something, definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely saved no, the joints. Fun. I think that was before I discovered rowing though. Rowing seems to be like the sweet spot of the, are good, you the skier. You done the skier? I've done the skier. Skiers are pretty sweet. That might be my next. Uh, yeah. I was going to say that's the, the best purchase I've done in the last three months. I use it every morning before just to do something to get going before I go out to the gym for the rest of the, but the skier in terms of space, because the rower takes up a little bit more space, I think. Nice. Ski erg is great. Javi, you should go get yourself one too. Learn how to ski, man. Yeah, well, I'm on the <laughs> I'm on the uh on the bike now. Okay. Well, it, it's it's good on my back and uh yeah. And I'm getting ready for, to do a uh 100k race next. Nice. On a bike? Uh, on a bike. Yeah, on Jeez. um uh in April. April Fools weekend, so yeah, I was I'm gonna a, say that is an April Fool's joke because there's no way I would do a hundred K <laughs> on a bike. Just, well, so well, I tried I like, the I just tried because uh, one of the alternate events for the the ACFT is the 12k bike on the bike erg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an alternate event and it's actually fucking hard. Like I think you got to do it in 24, 26 minutes, but you legit have to go pretty hard because I I yeah. I, yeah. I I did it. And I, I passed the time because it's just pass fail, right? I passed it with like 24 seconds to go or something. Oh, wow. I, like, it's not easy. It is not easy at all. You are way better off just going and running two miles, even if you can't run. Cause you know, but yeah, it's well, an interesting one, experience. Yeah. One thing about a bike though, man, you just got to have, it's not about how fast you pedal or how fast you're going. It's time in the seat. Cause that's, you know, it puts some torture on the gooch, you know, and then <laughs> right. it does. I don't know why we've never figured out a way to have a comfortable seat. I, I mean, I, you can I just go wider, you know, but know. Yeah, it just, I mean, I, I, I did uh, 25 miles today, man. And my, I tell Ooh. you what, my, my gooch yeah. was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting on a donut right now. <laughs> this is the, this is the quality uh material that joe sets himself up for to <laughs> speaking of which so joe you got about eight minutes left right i know i don't want to keep you on so how give us kind of an update how did, how's the uh, how's the race going up there in the great state of washington where you will be soon hopefully the congressman of district three you know man i feel like it's going really well but what would i know this is the first time i've done this so you know uh, it's we're, working we're good man. Momentum, man got some good uh got some good endorsements got trump's endorsement which is key yeah uh general flynn a couple of great congressmen gosar gates um and then some other organizations have endorsed as well so we're doing good it's just a, uh, it's a grind man gotta be out there kind of every day <clears throat> hitting key events and then just talking to people so the biggest biggest hurdle we have to overcome really is just name recognition the, yeah. the woman i'm running against she's got 11 12 years by the time we go to the polls she'll have 12 years of name recognition so 
really just getting the message out there to people um, as much as we can and just trying to penetrate either through the media or through actual on the ground engagements has been been the effort, man. So like this summer was busy because all these different fairs and outdoor festivals that we have up here um, were just, you know, as we'd say in the military, target rich environment. So you get out there it's and shake fucking, it's like recruiting, man. Babies, yeah, yeah, it's you're, yeah. you're you're basically recruiting, but just for yourself. So that makes it yeah. worth right. It. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's. It's like key leader engagements, man, all the time. Yeah, you all know? day, every day. Oh, that's, that's what it is. Have so, you, uh, I got a real quick, quick question. Yeah, for go ahead, you, uh, Joe. Have they had the primaries yet for you, for your uh, yeah. district? We have really late primaries and we have a weird system here too. We have jungle primaries, so we don't have partisan primaries. So there's no, you don't register by a political party in Washington state. It's everybody goes into one big batch in the primaries and the top two vote getters, regardless of party or anything else, they move on to the general to face off against each other. Okay, and we and you did that really poll late. a while. Not till August. Okay, yeah, but I remember you had that poll a few months ago, and you did really well. So how are you? Right. How are you doing now? Internal poll, internally at least. Yeah, we're hoping to get some polling done here soon. I'm hoping one of these news organizations um, takes some interest and does some polling for us. Um, I okay. think they they will because like the Trump endorsements kind of draw some attention, which is yeah. good. And we had good, we had really good polling numbers, up by ten percent from all my competition, and then oh, up cool. by ten on favorability, only trailing by seven on name recognition. Um, and that was before the Trump endorsement. Actually, that was before I had any yeah. national level endorsements. So, yeah, that was huge for you. Guesses. That was yeah. huge for your following for sure. That was so that's my follow up, Joe, because yeah, I, I would be disingenuous to some of the people who really really like you, but they have questions just based off of that, and so. What do you say to someone who like they 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 they're behind your message? They they want to get behind your your candidacy. They they like you. They want to support you, but they still have reservations because of former President Trump, right? So that's a fair question to you, I would assume. But what oh, do you totally. say to that to people who they're, they're willing to support you, but they they still have maybe a bad taste or they're sort of turned off by President Trump? Right now, just ask them. Hey, listen to the message. Uh, Donald Trump is not on the ballot here when you're voting for me this right. time. So. I mean, if if you like Trump, you like this message, and obviously he endorsed me. I'm grateful for his endorsement. I supported his presidency, supported yeah. him when, when he was in office. But really, at the end of the day, it, it's probably I'm, I'm willing to wager for those who don't like Trump, it wasn't necessarily Trump policies. It was Trump's tone and his presentation, yeah. the mean tweets and all that. And I would just ask them to go ahead and take you know take a scroll through my social media, get a chance to know me, and you know I'm I am not him. Uh, there's some places like as far as policy goes where right. I, I I am like Trump. Things will um, but I think if folks can look past a lot of the personality things and get to know me, that they would, they would like my like my message, like where I'm coming from, like why I'm in this, um, and then you know tell me what issues matter to them. We can have a discussion about policy. Yeah, I think that's actually 100% what I've probably said in your defense <laughs> to everybody. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, and then I would say the last thing is how and what do you what do you recommend to someone who also should be following your path and running for some sort of office of representation, Mr. Javier Mackey down there at the bottom of our screen, at least of mine, uh, because we, we, we did talk about this in the chat, right? Probably this time last year, if not sooner that, Hey, there's, there's too many people, especially men like you and, and others that are in there just commenting on what's going on rather than getting involved and people that are in the position to do it. You just, I don't know where one day is like, Hey boys, I'm running. And, and, and you went off and you're, you're out literally just, I feel you're going to win, man. But then we have other men like Javi that's in there. Like, and I genuinely feel he is in a great position, especially in the state that he's in the kind of chase 
or not chase, but following your footsteps. So what would you recommend to, even if he doesn't decide to pursue it to others who may want to offer or just throw their hat in the race, wherever they're at one day? Very simply. I mean, I would just say, go for it. Um, and that's not just like a generic rah-rah yeah. message. Really. I, I feel like the situation we're in in our country to put it like in military terms. So I think that's a lot of your, uh, a lot of your audience yeah. is I, I feel like we're in a near ambush um, and we're in a near ambush from a side that wants complete and total control of our lives. We've seen what they're doing and we're not really in a position right now where I think you can sit back and say like, okay, well, what's the best thing to do? You know, is, is this the right phase of my life? Like you would with other major life decisions. Um, I, yeah. I feel like we're in very danger close. So I think it's time to like pretty much just turn and burn. Like that's, that's the way I looked at it from my district, especially I think in Florida, you're probably in a better place, but I would say broad scale nationally, um, that's where we're at, but especially up here in the Pacific Northwest, like when the, the woman I voted for, who's supposed to be a Republican, who failed pretty much in every other field and then voted for impeachment, I very much felt like we were in a near ambush. I looked around, nobody was, nobody was taking charge, so I, I took charge and moved out towards the sound of the guns, and that's going to work out one of two ways. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be at the top of the hill, or I'm going to get taken off charging, but you know, like that's, uh, you that's how it. we're going, and so that's how I feel. That, that would be my, uh, my very simple message, is just, just go for it. Um, I've learned some lessons here and there that if people want to DM me or talk through, especially yeah. if they're a vet, like, let me know. Um, but really the big thing I think is just to, just to take charge and own it and really go for it. Because really the bottom line is we're, our country in general, there's some great leaders we have out there, but we're, we have been ran by buffoons and not just buffoons, but like nefarious buffoons who want the very worst for our country. And those of us that have had so much skin in the game, like all of us here have, and probably the vast majority of your listeners have, like it's, it's our turn. You know, like it, it, this is the country that we fought and bled for, and we buried lots of our friends, my wife, our brothers and yeah. sisters in Arlington. Like, let's go, let's let's take the country back. It's ours. All right. Well, everybody, let's just fucking head on down and start declaring because that's about <laughs> as, as motivating as it gets right there. And he only went, to, he only became a warrant officer. He didn't even try and go do full on commission, man. That's fucking, that's, that's really good speech. But uh, how can they DM you, Joe? Where can they follow you at on the great Twitter and whatever social media platform you're still not banned from? I kicked off Facebook. We're, we're, we're back on uh, or YouTube. We're back on YouTube. Are you? Uh, JoeKentforCongress.com yeah. is where you find the link to yeah. all the social media. And then all my stances on issues, links to media I've been on. But JoeKentforCongress.com is probably the best like focal point. I wish I had a really easy name like Joe Kent Hobby, right? Like, oh, I, dude. It's you know what I mean? It's fucking words. <laughs> I, I, 40 years old and I still got to hear people like, how do you say your name? Can you spell that? I'm like, if I was Joe Kent, it's seven letters let's go but no but uh um, all right joe i know you got to roll man yeah i know you got to roll out i appreciate you uh hanging out with us for the night um javi and i are going to get into some of his stuff but joe ken for congress go hit it up follow him on all of his social media accounts donate that is the most important thing because money unfortunately wins races right so joe That's needs right. the cash and if you got it pass it along or at least get this dope ass shirt. But Joe, this shirt go. was like a hundred bucks, man. I don't know what they go for get now. But... Swag. <laughs> there we go. All right, brother. Thank you. Hey, it's All right, good guys. Thank you. Joe. Good to see you, Javi. Guys, yeah, take good care. Good to see you too. All right, Javi. As Joe drops off, can I please at least point out that that was perfect from a host perspective? At 1830, he is now gone. 1831, yes. it's now all about Javi or Mackey. So yeah. I'm just saying. Dude, I don't dude. get paid for this shit, but I could probably do it. No, I'm just, I don't, I'm yeah. horrible at this shit. Just, like I told you earlier, it's just me recording me drinking with my friends. So whatever. Yeah, man. You know, it's always good to see like old, old army buddies. And um, like I said, man, it's, it, it, Joe was one of those guys that was, it was fun to be around and it was always a good time.
Are you surprised he's running for Congress? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. All right, good. Because honestly, I'm sincere. Before we get into the the, is it the Flanders Foundation, yeah, yeah. I I told you, and it sounded like you were at your you were at the the epicenter of this is like perfect to declare after that New York Times piece and. But you gotta do the same thing, man. I, I really do. I'm being I'm being 100 genuine with you. I think I think you have a future in it. You know, it, here in Florida, it's and you're it's, in a rough spot in about, Florida, from what I know, right? Like from my district, Florida. Yeah, you know, well, but your districts, you know, the Orlando, it's very it's a democratic. Lean. Yeah, yeah it, it's Democrat heavy. Uh, a lot of Latinos and mm-hmm. the uh, congressman uh, Congressman Soto, Democratic. Yeah, I know him well. I, I remember him. Yeah, he's a he's a real quiet he's a young guy. guy. I mean, he's he's well embedded, well yep. funded, absolutely. And um, it would be, it would take and the Republicans here. I mean, I mean, these guys. I, I don't have the money. There's not the money flowing like it will be for the uh, for it, the Democrats. Well, you know, when I text you later the, about some of the podcast stuff, I will I, I will text you some people I do know who do have plenty of money on that side. All right. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't ever let the money be the deterrent because I feel like I, that's probably something that I've considered myself or thought of. And I know others have, it's like, yeah, it really does come down to money. And if you followed Joe's campaign enough, you you've heard him reference some money. Um, and unfortunately I hope we don't ever have to experience what he had to, in order to, to use, you know, that, that, that amount of money, you know, that where it came from. But uh, that money's out there, man. Trust me. It, it, I yeah. spent 30 years of my life in Florida. I know there's a huge amount of right support when it comes to was, money in that state. So. It's funny you say that because I was working with uh, my uh, a guy I go to church with. He was running against Soto. And um, he, he, he found that it was like the donors were, were there. Yep but he wasn't getting the type of donations that he needed, you know? And, um, mm-hmm. but you know, he, he I, Hobby man, like I hate to say it, man, but like you are exactly what the Republican party in the fucking central Florida area needs. Your background yeah. is unquestionable, right? You've got the look, you've got the experience, mm-hmm. you have the ability to comport yourself and talk like a fucking, you know, someone who's not the stereotypical fucking Republican that everyone thinks of when they think of Republican. You crush every fucking stereotype that they're going to throw at you. Yeah. And then it just comes down to the issues. Right. And I get it. Right. Like I said, I know who Soto is. He's uh, he's a good politician he's, at this point. You know, he started at the uh, state level he, and I, he's I've seen him. I've seen him talk and it's not like he's very debatable. You know, he's just yeah. he's present. That's that's yeah, it. None of these guys are, man. It, and, it comes um, down like like when you're younger, right. So like, you know, you and I are probably close to the same age or very close, but yeah, yeah. you know, when you're younger, you look at these guys, you see them on TV and you're like, wow. But then as you get older and you have life experience and you've been around some of this stuff, dude, they're just a fucking man. Just like you and I, they ain't fucking special. They just have oh, a title yeah. in front of it. They like, there's nothing to be intimidated by, especially with your background. And that's why I'm, I, I do urge you to run because right. Your fucking background, man. It's you're not yeah. the guy that just works at fucking Walmart <laughs> hanging out flyers and shit. Who's just wants to run for Congress one day? Like, been there and done it, and, yeah. and sacrificed a lot to do it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm, so, I'm working through some things right now to to make to free up that that battle space for myself. Good. Um, it, it's good. it's you have to have your life. Um, you gotta have you know things in your life uh, settled before, and there's oh, nothing absolutely. bad. 
you know, you just can't jump into this and have a bunch of issues lingering. So that's one of the things that uh, I'm trying to make sure that I don't put my, my wife and my kids through. Right. No, that's, that's, that's a hundred percent understandable, man. So that there, that's part of it. And the other part yeah. of it, you know, it's all about taking that first step, you know? And uh, yeah, like Joe just said, fucking take yeah. it. You got to step off with the left, right? 30 foot yeah, 30 man. step. Let's go. Yeah. Um, I, I it kind of reminds me of my um, my first jump out of an airplane. You know, it just like the whole time you you just sitting there like I I hope nothing bad happens. You know, and but it's over so, so quick you don't even get time to think about it. Like right, right. Because I remember my first jump in airborne school was just like I was I think I was second to the last, and then once that green light went on and you start going, you're like oh wait we up 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 and then you're out. Yeah, like you don't get a chance to think about anything at that point because they just funnel you through. But yeah. Um, and then everything else, like, cause I'm going to be honest with you, bro. Like being out of the army, it was, is very foreign. It like, I've been out of the army now for three years and I'm it's envious. still, still foreign to me. And, um, really? <laughs> oh, oh, bro. I mean, I mean, I, I walk inside like Walmart and, and I'm like, I'm all fat and out of shape. You know, I'm, looking <laughs> at, I'm looking at this dude with like long hair and I'm like thinking to myself, you know, man come on get a haircut clean it up <laughs> <laughs> or but then i see guys like i go to the gym and i see some of the guys uh some of the soldiers in the gym working out um here and because we have you know believe it or not orlando has a lot like a huge military presence that i didn't really understand yeah that's where all my reserve units were man 140 yeah. sc 912 all the good stuff yeah man and we got like national guards you know, right there I think the most reserve is Michigan, in, Michigan Street, yeah, Michigan Ave. Yeah, yeah, right over by uh, the airport. Yeah, Michigan and um, Grant. Uh, there's all kind but of. Yeah, good. man, they, these guys work out every day, and I'm sitting there like, man, I kind of miss wearing a uniform. You know, it just there's just there's that yeah. I, I miss that camaraderie, but at the same time, man, I'm just so glad I'm out of. Um, yeah, you know, I no, I get both sides of it, man. Training. Um, cause my biggest thing was yeah. when I had, when I finally did join, you know, I knew I was never going to play baseball again, but the only thing that even comes close to replicating, you know, the team sports environment or the, the locker room environment has been the army. That's it. Like there's no other profession to where you can just sit around, uh, talk shit to each other all day, not have any repercussions really. And at the end of the day, you just go fucking go do something that you all have to be invested in. Right. And that's, right. that's sports and that's the army. Right. Yeah. Like, so, Hey, we sit here, talk shit. We bust each other's balls and then we go do what we have to go do. And then we come back and tomorrow's Tuesday. We'll do it again. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it, man. And um, I don't know, probably because I'll be leaving a very different slice of the army than you did. Uh, honestly, if I could leave right now, I would, man, I don't miss it for, I won't miss it for a second, but I'm not coming from your background. So yeah, but that's me. Yeah, I, I mean, dude, I get it, man. It's, it's, but there's an aspect like, there's an aspect that you will like, no matter oh, how much you say you won't forget it, like you won't um, miss it. There's gonna be something that you do miss, and I'll, I'll miss it. I'm just saying, I I won't mind leaving. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. 
Yeah. I would definitely miss it. Like, I mean, especially now I just got my pinks and greens all done, bro. Like, yeah, oh, bro. <laughs> That's like a reset. <laughs> I know. Like, damn, let's re up for another 10. But I can't yeah, man. I'm already. I, man, I, I'm kind of <laughs> jealous, bro. Cause those are some sharp those uniforms. Bro. I just, all I want to do is like what Nick was saying is I just want to get the bomber jacket. That thing's like $400, oh, yeah. man. And then you can't find them. Uh, if I get the bomber jacket, I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, so, so check this out. I had a cadet who read, like he loves 670-1, right? And oh, so the, that's One the R&D regulation for how we wear um, uh-huh. military. Wear an appearance of the uniform. Yep. And so he, he found out that if you're in dress, if you're in army dress, you can wear a cape. This is true. And, and if you remember the movie Basic, which was horribly done with Samuel L. Jackson, because in one scene, he's an E4 with specialist rang, and another scene, he's an, he's an E8. It's really weird. Right. Anyway, no, you're right. But he does wear a cape in that movie. Yeah. And so he, we had a ball, our little mil, military ball, and he busted out this cape, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I, I, and I, hated it. I hated the fact that he wore it, but you know what? It's he was dope. in regulations and I couldn't yeah. say anything. About you know what? I'm going to make a note of this. Cause I'm going to buy me a Cape next. I think. I don't think <laughs> I'm going to find so one. What's, hey, so what's the dress? What's the army dress uniform now? That's the pinks and greens. Yeah. But it doesn't go like a hundred percent. It has to be. Oh, I oh, you're talking about like the formal one. I don't yeah, know. Cause formal. I was just at this wedding over this past weekend and there was a major and he was still wearing the, that black ceremonial one with just okay. you know, little small medals and shit. Yeah. Uh, and then I was wondering also, because we went to Arlington for the first time and, you know, the guards of the tomb, they're still wearing the the black the uniform, which is technically yeah. the ceremonial uniform that they're supposed to wear. Because I thought, like, you know, if we want to make this look even doper than it already is, let's get these boys some pinks and greens, man. But yeah, man, I don't think they're going to do that. seems like that's going to be the hey, traditional so what are, uniform. What was your impressions of uh, Arlington? And I was like, it, it was hard. It really was because I went to, you know, Braxton's the guy, Sarah Khan. I went to that grave and man, I didn't even know that dude, but just reading that book that Braxton wrote and, and knowing what he did for him, like, dude, I teared up, man. Like, that yeah. was hard. And then just seeing how it just goes on forever and they're expanding it. Yeah. You know, there's construction yeah. going on to expand it and then watching the change of the guard. Like, you know, it, it's, it's hard in that instance because, you know, Fortunately, I was with, you know, Maddie and her mom and they're, they're very respectful of that process, but there's still so many people that look at it like, oh, it's a fucking show. It's, you know, tourists and shit. And it's like, yeah, you, know, you got people doing their stupid fucking selfie sticks and, you know, taking pictures of themselves in front of shit. And I get it. It's just the world we live in, but man, it, it, it was tough. It really was for the first yeah. time. Cause you know, the other time, the only other time I've seen it was in 2012 when I ran the army 10 miler and you run by it, but I'd never really been in it until then. And that was it was it was tough, man. It really was. Yeah. The first time I went was in uh two, I think it was 2000, 2006. And I think it's the only time I have actually set foot on the Arlington Cemetery grounds. And uh we were there to see uh Master Sergeant Tony Yost. He was um a third group team sergeant and he uh died in uh IED um in Iraq. In 2000, I want to say it's 2005, 2006, he died. Um, 
I feel like that I, I saw that name. Like he might be in the Anthony. same row or the row right behind Saren Khan. Because all those guys yeah. were right in 2006. Yeah. Like, to, uh, Anthony Anthony Yost is his name. Master Sergeant Anthony Yost. We call him Tony. New big Native American uh, mm. uh, Master Sergeant. He, uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, he walked into a building that was booby trapped and he tripped it. And oh, um, the boot, the Damn. you know, so the the building collapsed on him. Jesus, but yeah, we went up there to uh, represent third group, just to you know, kind of just you know, be there for the the burial, and then we we hung out there for the day. And I don't know, I can't remember if we stayed the night or we headed back that evening. Who knows? But um, but yeah, it was a good trip. It was the first time I got I got a speeding ticket. Well, I didn't get a speeding ticket. I got pulled over for uh, speeding um, through Virginia, and you don't want to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just told a cut. I told the, the the highway patrolman. I was like, "Hey, we're we're heading to Arlington for a funeral," and he was like, "All right, man, just slow it down." So, well, but every go. time I've gone through, it seemed like every time I've gone through Virginia, I've gotten pulled over easily. I don't think I've ever driven. Well, no, I did. Yeah, because Eustace is in Virginia, right? Fort Eustace? That's Westford. Yeah. No, that's Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. I think they have Eustace, Fort Lee. Yeah. And um, you got Fort, uh, you got those two training uh, posts too Uh, Fort Pickett and. um, uh, Pickett. Okay. I have heard of Pickett, but I know Lee is where they do all the AIT and stuff. And. Yeah, Eustace is turning into like these new training. Well, it's an AIT as well, but they're gonna have they're gonna put all the army's like company or battalion level training base for all these new tactical fucking health and fitness dudes. Essentially, right? They're gonna oh, all okay. be at the company level, but they're gonna they're building the school at Eustace. So that was part of that that ACFT, the NCIC course I went to a few months ago. Um, yeah, that's that's actually happening. So you're gonna have like a a dietitian, uh, a fitness trainer, a chiropractor, all this stuff like right at the company level. And you know what? Why don't the army just make those actual MOSs? It is. That's what it's gonna become. So it's gonna oh, be in the okay. medical field, right? It's oh, gonna cool, be it's gonna cool. be a 68 series job. But what they're thinking is none of those positions can be something you enlist into. You know, kind of like you can't be a CIAD agent until you make it until you're an E5, right? Like being right, an NCO. Right. So you're gonna make it an NCO billet, uh, but it's not gonna be something you can uh enlist into. But once you're in the 68, you can follow that career path and then right. Yeah, because right. I think they were talking about like an E6 position. Yeah, I, I'm thinking, man, they, they need to make more jobs like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's a great way to go. And like I said, I almost wish I was joining the army now, man, just to see, but there are there is enough of me that's just like yeah i'll do my own thing but yeah. <laughs> that is you know, a great focus because for so long man you, you you just had to be either either you had to have a squad leader or a fucking platoon sergeant who was just in the fitness and working out and would show you stuff or you had to have a parent like i did at least you know my dad was always into this stuff or otherwise you just the only thing you knew about the army and staying in shape was your pd which as we both know isn't really that much right it's just not enough there's there's this book called appell and it's about the uh, about this Canadian um, helicopter pilot whose career, military career, 
you know, took him to the foreign, the French foreign legion. Mm -hmm. And when he was uh, in the French foreign legion, he, uh, they asked for him to, in order for him to get promoted, he had to work at the gym for uh, a particular set of time. Right. Okay. And while he was there, he had to also train to be like a fitness coach. And so it was, it was funny, you know, just to hear about the French foreign legion. Cause you think these guys are like these big, you know, all, all we're going to do is go out and fight type deals. Cause bunch of fucking criminals reputation. is what they are. Javi. What's that? <laughs> I said a bunch <laughs> of criminals is what they are. Yeah. But it, it, it was, it was pretty cool to like, just hear a story about how that's pretty, yeah, that is cool. What everything he did, but um, yeah, man, I still, I'm still working my way through Braxton's book. I, I, I'm a horrible reader, man. I, I read things in chunks, um, bits huh. and pieces, uh, because yeah, I, just I read can't. I read his book at the pool last year. That's that's yeah. how I read. I can't read anywhere but at the pool. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't focus any other way. Yeah, yeah I'm just, bad. Yeah, I, enough, man. I, I had to put it down like after the like first couple chapters because I just start. I'm sitting there balling, dude. You know and. Um, yeah. having some reliving some experiences and just like, ah, I got to put it down. Yeah. I, I just can't, I can't, this he, is something he I did can't a, he did a good right job. Now. So, yeah, so for those listening at this point, we're, we're referencing Braxton McCoy. The book is the glass factory, which I've talked to him about and we've had to rehash and that episode no longer exists, but if you pay me enough and we can funnel some of it to Braxton, I, sh- I could send you maybe the file, but no, we won't do it. But, uh, <laughs> all right. So, yeah. And, and so sticking with my theme, it seems like on every podcast episode I do, I do mention Braxton and his book. So there we go, Javi. We've done that yeah. again. This is going to be like episode 60. And we're always mentioned Braxton because we love him. Man, you're <laughs> at 60 episodes, huh? I think something like that. A lot of them was that that uh, there will be banter stuff. And we haven't been able to do that because just people's schedules just aren't this. It's hard to get, it's hard to corral cats, man. You know what I mean? And yeah. everyone's got something and they're all in different parts of the country. Just, you know, it's just, uh, but I think um, uh, Christine and I might just do stuff together, but yeah. I always, I never wanted to do those episodes without Veronica. So Veronica, if you're out there listening, you already know you're the number one. So that's why we stopped doing them. Cause we couldn't really get Veronica with her doing her education stuff anymore. So, um, but all right, enough about me. Let's talk about Javi, you. Yes. And tell me about this flandersfield.org. What, what do we got going on there? So, all right. So once upon a time, a DJ's past. <laughs> <laughs> and so so um, let's, let's go back to like September when everything was um, yes, because you did a lot with this Afghanistan evacuation. Right. Yeah. So for those so who don't know, kind of see, I'm, 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 so first of all, I'm not going to play up what I did. Basically, my every interpreter or any Afghan I ever, ever worked with reached out to everybody who was an yeah. American that can find on social media. But my Afghans like really went out of their way to search me out, uh, especially since you know, I had a huge presence on Facebook and I deleted my Facebook account and I kind of migrated over here to Twitter and, um, none of them know, you know, none of them reached out to me on Twitter, but I still have like a, an account on Instagram and that's where they all kind of found me. So 
now I'm, I'm sitting here trying to figure out, Oh, well, what did I do now? I can, all I can say is, Hey, I, I like these interpreters are hitting me up and like, Hey, sir, sir, you know, I need help. Yeah. Um, I got, you know, it's very, it's very dangerous for my family. And I'm sitting back here like, um, and I think I was in Tennessee at the time. I'm yeah, I was in Tennessee at the time and I'm like, dude, I don't even know what to do. So I put it out on Twitter and, um, one of the one, somebody who was following me was like, Hey, I can help you out. I can, I actually reached out to uh, a journalist and mm-hmm. at first, and he gave me a name to a guy and I actually got in touch with this guy and he was like, Oh, you know, he really talked this really big game. Like, yeah, I can help you out. Give me the names of your terps and you know, we can go from there. And that didn't pan out. Um, and then I put it out there again and a couple of followers said, Hey, I can help you out. And this is back in September. And so, um, one lady was able to, one gal was able to like point me in the direction of uh, black rifle coffee company or, mm-hmm. uh, black rifle coffee. And, um, I reached, you know, she goes, Hey, I, here's the name. He's going to reach out to you. And from there, we're going to, you know, I'm going to just do a handoff and I'm like, all right, cool. So I didn't expect, I kind of got expected the runarounds uh, with this guy with, with this and come to find out, dude, it's been awesome. So the president, uh, I, I believe he's the president of black rifle company, uh, has a nonprofit called the Flanders, uh, Flandersfield.org. Flandersfield.org. Yeah. And it was actually, it was, it was actually, um, uh, for something else, but he's trying to, um, get some money because he's taking all this money out of his pocket to help the, the interpreters get from um, Afghanistan to the States. So I've been talking to him uh, before we, uh, we had this podcast, I reached out to him and I was like, Hey man, do you mind if I talk about your organization and do you mind if, you know, he was like, yeah, go for it. And I was kind of hesitant because of some, you know, the way people feels about black, black rifle, uh, coffee company in their, in their product or whatever, you know, the little, I, but I think, you know, putting all differences aside, I think people are more willing to, uh, you know, put their differences aside and, um, donate to this cause. So that's why I put it out there. Um, for everyone and uh, just to see what type of traction we can get with that and from that actually um i have some people reach out to me and um we i have an alternate so you know you have a pace plan for everything so my primary is primary, right now ultimate, contingency and yeah emergency, emergency. There we go. Yeah, so right now <laughs> so right now i had to move so right now i'm you know black with uh with the vice president, with the president of Black Rifle Company helping out, he's my primary. He's been in touch with my interpreters every other day. We got a system set up. Mm-hmm. So, um, That's cool. My man. my interpreters and I do. Uh, I'm trying to, so I'm I'm kind of stepping back from what he's doing, and I'm allowing allowing him to take charge of of that situation, so that 
I'm not tasking my 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 interpreters to do double the work. Yeah, I want them to all take directions from 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 him, and then at the same time, the the vice president, um, his name has been on. I think he's the president or vice president. One of the two, he, you know, he's been using money out of his own pocket just to get this stuff going so far. Um, you're talking, you know, for a bus to, um, to get these guys transportation can cost upwards to $2,000. Um, so there's that. And so we're, we're in there and then they come from different locations all over mm -hmm. Afghanistan, you know, so it's like trying to get, um, trying to herd cats yep. in the state that in a state the size of tech in a country the size of texas to all get them to go to dallas when you have guys in austin corpus christi Texarkana, yeah. so forth and so on so <laughs> super um, easy yeah so it's the logistical support for the you know a lot of the funding he was telling me will go to just the logistics alone of getting these people um um, to 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 one location so they can get on a bird once their information once they're because what happens is their sieve that's the ultimate thing is their sieve they get their sieve number and then once they get their sieve number whatever the process is after that i'm not really sure but um there's just a bunch of paperwork that has to get done administratively um get, they have to get their passports issued and then once that's all taken care of, man, it's, it's just a matter of waiting for an opportunity for a bird to land to pick them up and um, get them to the States. And right now I got, I have a, a half a dozen interpreters, but their families, I'm kind of estimating anywhere between 45 and 60 individuals total. Still, uh, Still that's waiting. a lot, you know, yeah. that's a lot of seats. That's a lot of gas. That's a lot of, that's at least a aircraft, you know? Yeah. So it's, and, and they're still know, in Afghanistan. They're still in Afghanistan. Okay, yeah. Wow. Damn. And um, like, as far as saying where they're at, I tell them, you know, cause we're, you know, we're anyway, we, we talk and I'm not going to talk about where their locations are right. or anything like that. But um just out of protecting who they you know because right right absolutely is, you yeah know. Right. but um yeah man it's 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 it hurts seeing some of their you know one of my interpreters called or sent me a text the other day and he was like hey man you know so and so someone that i knew was beheaded and i was like you gotta be kidding me and then he was like well, I need proof, you know, because because a lot of times or, you know, some Zagirate of these, these terps are kind of janky. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And he was like, sure enough, he sent me the picture and I was like, oh, man, it sucks. But it was it was someone we knew, but not someone I was helping yeah. with their um, trying to get to the States because I didn't know. I, I, I had no clue this guy was what his situation was. Right. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Where do you come out on that, man? Like, cause you know, we, it, I know it's disappeared from the news cycle, but that's, there's, there's some very different realities that the, the guys and, you know, obviously the women, especially in Afghanistan are, are dealing with at this point. So someone like yourself who, who, like I said, you know, served as much as you did and lost a lot of dudes while you were there, 
were a part of some very significant uh exchanges in military history right that'll always be you know written about or studied from that time and obviously you talked about you know sergeant robbie miller before when you were there but and i know it sucks for a lot of us that were there but what is what is your overall feeling about how you know 20 years ago we went in to remove someone that we have basically just acquiesced and returned power to how does that make you feel, man? Yeah, it, it, it feels like if it, it feels like we did a lot of things wrong, like not as soldiers. Why? But, of course not. But no, as I, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, it, it's. I think the the guys who were directing us made some major mistakes, you know, and. Um, mm-hmm. We should never be in this position. You know, you get kicked, you know, the, the guys who make these type, who are making these type of decisions should have been peered out a long time ago. It's, and, um, and I'm, I'm being nice about it. Yeah. I see. That's one way of putting it is peered out. <laughs> I mean, you should, it doesn't happen are, though, does it? It doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and, um, I have some really strong feelings about this because uh, that's like saying, you know, hey, those these those the, since two thousand one, all that effort you put, all that blood that was spilt, uh, those are necessary sacrifices that needed to be made. And it, was, and it was like, really, you know, seriously, and um. It, it it just you know what like I think we've all experienced a breakup, right? Yeah, yeah. And I can tell you what I if the the same I remember getting um, some girl breaking up with me and it just tore me apart. This is it feels like a bad breakup, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> you know, like all these excuses, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I feel like we're drifting apart, and I can't. And you know what? And at the also too, this I think that the the leadership of Afghanistan and the people of Afghanistan can't go unblamed as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I don't I don't want to just blame our leadership, but I also want to you know point the finger at some of the resolve of those that we left behind, you know? Right. Absolutely. You know, but I will argue and say, I don't blame them. And this is why I would say that because imagine, you know, Eric, here you are, you know, senior NCO in the army, right. And you were sent to, let's say you were, you know, war breaks out in the United States and you have to, you know, you're serving your country and your, your, your battalion, you know, deploys you to say Virginia. All right. You know, you're moving what three, three, four States up North. Right. And you get up to Virginia and while you're there, your pay stops. And it just doesn't stop for half a month. It stops for two, three months. Right. Mm. And then, you know, you, you come into contact, you know, your job is not to take contact, but Hey, your unit's fighting now and you mm-hmm. must fight. Right. 
And imagine this, you run out of bullets and then you, you radio to your higher command and they can't get you bullets because there is no bullets or they probably sold the bullets or they sold the uniforms or they sold anything that you might have. And now you're, you know, you're begging, borrowing, stealing and, um, from the civilian populace just to survive, you know? So, and this is the circumstances that, yeah the the afghan army and their sec- other security forces were left in and the how does that happen we, though man like how well because we shielded we shielded we man. shielded the afghan army from those problems by ensuring that their logistical support lines were always running right. and then but you know we did that through contracts we did that through the u.s army air force navy and marines you know, it was a consorted effort, not only the United States, you know, other yeah, countries, the UN partners, yeah, NATO partners, yeah, our coalition partners were doing it as well. And, Nuts, man. and so we held, we held the Afghan government's hand for 20 years. Yep. And we never taught them to get potty trained. We never taught them to walk. We never, you know, we were still chewing their food for them. Fucking nuts, um, man. Like that just doesn't like you, you tell this story to someone who, who goes back and looks on it like, you know, 50, 70 years from now, they're going to be like, really? That's what they didn't do. Cause it seems so obvious, right? Like it seems like the fixes, as you just pointed out, would have been so obvious along the way that, Hey, let's build up some self-sufficiency, but we never did that. Well, we, we shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. Yeah. And in my opinion, we should have went there we should we we should have went there like Mike Tyson, throw some punches, <laughs> knocked a few dudes out. Hey man, right? I'm with you, hundred uh, percent with you. I don't know where we have how we've turned into this nation building. Yeah, it hasn't get, worked. Yeah, get a ten count, flex yeah. over the over the victory. Yeah, fist bump out, and then you and know, then let's go because that's what go, you guys you do know? well, right? That's what that's what guys like yourself and the stuff that you've done. That's that's what you fucking do well. You win and those engagements. Part of the problem. Well, part of the problem was well hey we're going to create a command we're going to create these new commands we're going to create a lot of commands because we got a lot of officers and then yeah and they need something to do they need something to do and so this um and a lot of these commands were going to be sitting on you know forward operating operating bases never leaving the wire right Mm -hmm. and so you know, you've heard me say several times, if you wanted that war to end fast, you keep, you put a general on the ground and keep him on the ground until the job's done, period. You know, let's go back to Panama. Let's, Mm. let's go back to, uh, desert storm. Storm. (laughs) You know, every time you saw Norman Schwarzkopf, he was in kit Mm -hmm. And he, there was bullets flying somewhere and he was there with the fight, you know? Yep. And now, you know, I can, I can honestly say that I was out on the op with general Miller, but it was a KLE. Okay. Yeah, and we yeah. took contact, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I was, uh, I was on, a, I was on several ops with battalion commanders and they took contact. But the thing is they would go back to the fob do the decentralized commanding, which is good. I, you know, I'm not against that, but we got to get our officers dirty, man. I, when did that happen though? Like, when did it stop getting, cause that's, that's new. I mean, desert storm is not honestly that long ago. That's 30 years. And we started this shit 20 years ago. So 
Well, the so so what's the what do you think the 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 one officer? I'm not talking about lieutenant lieutenants. The only maneuvering officer, the most senior maneuvering officer at any given time is the captain now, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's you know? that's like the last time you're ever really with Joe and Jane on the ground. Right, and everything after that is a is a staff position. Yeah. And what happens? I think you remember when we first joined the army. Your talks, you know, your 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 operating centers were part of the battle. Yeah. And, you know, you, and now, nowadays they're sitting decentralized on the fob, just, you know, hanging out, going to the green bean, lifting salsa <laughs> night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, the, you may, I don't know if you've ever been down to uh, Kandahar and he had, you know, yeah, the boardwalk. It, Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah, or, it was fucking Friday. No, it was Fridays. Fridays. Yeah. Worst chicken I ever had. But yeah, oh. I expect it. I don't expect it to be good. It better not be good or else we have a problem. Right. You know, yeah. No, no, I, I get it. Yeah, no, that's and it's just I, it was a weird time, man. It was, it was it got weird. Like it really did. And I saw it getting weird when I left Iraq in 04. And it's like I remember I still I probably shared this with you already, but I just remember us pulling, you know, security on the fucking front gate in like May of 2003 at the BIAP at Baghdad Airport. And the AFES guy came up. He's like, Yeah, you know, in a few months we'll have you know, Burger King here and you won't have to eat your MREs anymore. And we just thought it was a joke. We just thought he was making small talk and just trying to, you know, make us laugh because it's like, yeah, there's no fucking Burger King here. Sure enough, we had a Burger King at Biop before we ever had a dining facility. The Bob yeah. Hope dining facility opened in September of 2003 and yeah. Burger King opened a month fucking before. We had a My dumbass sat out inside of fucking Burger King and passed out for four hours because I couldn't maintain being awake after an overnight shift. <laughs> And it's 110 degrees out, and I'm dehydrated and overtired, and I passed out waiting for my double waffle with cheese. Oh wow! But you know that's that's, that's you know that's, it was a great story. So I won't trade those memories for anything. But yeah, it's it, still dumb. Know, and in hindsight, it's still fucking dumb. And uh, <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because in uh, in Bagram there was a at one point Popeyes. there was a Dairy Queen. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I never saw the Dairy Queen. I know there was Dairy a Popeyes. Queen. Yeah, Dairy, yeah, Dairy Queen was hidden in the back. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Bagram had a lot of secret things, man. You had the, I just remember, you know, I can say this now, but I remember we, you know, I went there for a visit and we got to have like the temporary little, those chews that we had the little temporary areas right next to the Polish. And, you know, my background is Polish. And so, of course, right. I take up small talk with them dudes. And they brought us into their little little garden restaurant, and we're just slamming fucking beers because yep. you know the rest of the world still gets to have fun in a war zone, and we don't. We get to drink yeah. beer, beer, and you know we can't have what it. Was that, who that? What was that? Blitzburg oh, beer, beer, something, man. It was a beer I just had at, at Wrigley Field that was actually somebody hit me up when I posted. He's like, "That's the near beer we had in Afghanistan." I'm like, "You know what? You're fucking right." And I don't know what it was, but yeah, I remember that, man. And I don't understand why the rest of the world gets to still have fun. But you know us, we don't. Can't even drink. It tastes a lot like. It tasted like. Uh, I remember it tastes like uh, Amstel Light. I love Amstel Light. I ain't gonna lie. It, it, like, it, it, it's it got like, like nothing Amstel, in it, but I love it, man. It's yeah. It was like Amstel Light, and somebody spit tobacco in it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a hell of a flavor yeah. profile, right there. Yeah, man. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. But so no, to... I did that. I think I have that picture somewhere. It might be on my phone or it's on my an old computer somewhere. I got so much shit on an old hard drive that I who fucking knows what's on there at this point. But yeah, yeah, I'm like sitting out there in front of the Polish little compound, like 
what's up? Cause you know, that was the first time I actually had that. I got, I hate to say it. And I know it's, you know, but it's the first time I actually had some fun in Afghanistan and people are right. like, you don't need to have fun. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't, but I did. So whatever. <laughs> no, you should, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, the you, best of you it. should That's... enjoy yourself. You know, they're, they're like, I don't have a problem with, I, you know, I might like, uh, I might crap on, you know, some of the, some of the ideas of, you know, living in uh, comfort, but you know what, at the same time, dude, if you're at a major fob, yeah. And you have, you know, I don't Comfort's see the, fun. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> what else you're going to do? Just you're going to end up destroying each other anyway. You know, so yeah. you might as well just have some distractions just to keep yeah. the monotony down because they got kind of stupid there. You know, you know, hey, you got to wear the stupid reflective belts. Um, you're you, you know, you, you see these little five foot or four foot, you know, seven chicks with a M16 rifle that's just as long as they are tall yes. and they're dragging the barrel in the, in the ground, you know, and, um, and then facts, you know, and you, you, I I've seen, I literally seen this where a unit, I think it was a reserve unit or something like that, where they, uh, they would have a formation in the morning and that formation was putting on their PPE and it, which consisted of the reflective belt. They had to have their gloves <laughs> on them. They had to have, they, they put, they literally put shades like the, the tinted sunglasses on the iPro and you know, they had to make sure they had their earplugs and whatever. <laughs> and then the cherry, the topper, the closer, as Dave Chappelle would say <laughs> <laughs> at like 1800 that evening, they transitioned their lenses to from you know so which was another pair of glasses they took off their sunglasses they had a formation for this to for them to you know put on their clear glass and how did it get to this point that's kind of stupid you know how to get to this point but real quick before you answer that this is my favorite picture i don't know if it'll show up oh let me try the lighting no i think i've shared this with you guys but if you can't see that that was me at kaya right at the, Mm -hmm. the Kabul international airport in one of the cafes and this is a German officer with a Coca-Cola can in his nine mil holster on his leg. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll text you this, man. That's what I'll do. I'll text you this because it's great. It's what is my favorite picture ever. I just remember sitting there enjoying my little fucking coffee. And yeah, that picture should be in your text any minute. now. And I'm just like, is this real? This fucking dude, it's fucking real. It really is. It's yeah. real. It's my favorite picture. And I I honestly want to just print it out and blow it up one day. So if like my daughter ever asked what Afghanistan was like, I was like, right here, that's Germany. (laughs) So uh, my favorite, my favorite thing was, so I hired my job. Part of my job was hiring workers every day. Right. And so it's like, sometimes we have like these big, like these Hescos, they are big baskets. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we would hire these Afghans to fill them up with their, right. So, I would hire like, say for instance, I only had enough to hire two. So I would give them both a shovel <laughs> to sling dirt. And I, I would leave in 30, come back in 30 minutes. These Afghans are, they're only using one shovel, but they're both working. Right. And so what they had done is they tied a rope to one of the, to the end of the shovel. 
shovel <laughs> and one guy would pull the rope while the other guy was shoveling just to keep because they were going to it was kind of ingenious because they're going to be there all day right and you just get tired at some you know you're going to hit muscle failure they've done so, this before <laughs> yeah and at, and at first i was like no you both need to be shoveling but then after a while i saw that you know it it was pointless you know it was just let let them let them do it the way afghans do it and yeah life will be better yeah and you know so <laughs> that's yeah. great man yeah like i don't know man so yeah i'm just with with life with life how's life for you where you where are you at man because oh, I, I, I can only imagine I, like i can't see why you would want to be there stay there <laughs> well i'm in napa well i mean man, dude, dude i'm in, like i uh, the only thing that like look i i love napa i love where i'm at um i love benicia where i actually work okay so there i've completely yeah. boxed myself right um uh, whatever um that's a good high i love the bay area like i i like i guess i grew up a fucking barry bonds fan in florida as a little little leaguer man and like i never being that far from san francisco i was like i mean i'll never be in fucking san francisco to see a game and now i'm going to game five tomorrow yeah exciting series against the dodgers right like this is a kid's dream the only thing that would be better is if i was actually on the fucking field playing which i'm not but i would be in the feet i'll be in attendance watching and that's like the next best thing right it's deciding game of a playoff series between the giants and the dodgers like Man, this is the epicenter of like what I grew up wanting to be a part of. Yeah. Now I'm here. Yeah. Um, but Nisha, but, but that area is really good for baseball. It is. Like I, I love it here, and don't get me wrong. Um, I love where I live, but man, I'm at that point, and you know, and that's kind of like our our conversations. Is like some some of us don't want a house or a big house with a big like like I do. I want a big house. I want my fucking land. And I can't do that out here because you live in Florida. You know this. Yeah. Man, I look on Zillow or whatever website you want me to look on for real estate. Man, houses that are like 1,400 square feet, they're 50 years old, $800,000. Yeah. Can you give me $800,000 in Orlando? Yeah. Oh, we're going to ball. Oh, yeah. You're a baller, <laughs> right? dude. So oh, yeah. That, that, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Um, You're a baller with I'll... a Tesla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll stay here, but I mean, at some yeah. point I want to have a house and, and so, this is you know, not where I want to have it at, but I want to be on the West coast. Cause I just feel like, I feel like the West coast is, is me. If that makes yeah. sense. You and, know, I, I grew up on, I grew up yeah, not you, too far from there. And um, man, I, you, I couldn't get out of that place fast enough, you know, but that's how I was with Florida. Bro. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like probably the same thing. And, and I know where you grew up at and I, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot of pluses to this part yeah. of the state. Yeah, well, yeah, dude. You, you're yeah. in a, and especially that part of your life right now. Yeah. You know, you're, I mean, dude, you, you, sh- you should be like, you know what? I want to kick my feet up. I want to, I want to drink. <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm crack open some, uh, you know, some Buffalo Trace and yeah. just call it a day, you know? And that's what and, I do uh, every night, man. It really is. Yeah. It really is. I'm, yeah. My life could be way worse, uh, but I'm in the F- I'm in the process of making it way better, and that's all that matters. So, so check this out, man. So I was back in uh, I was back in uh, Fayetteville, Fort Bragg area, mm-hmm. 
And I, my buddy lives in uh, a bunch of guys live in this one. A lot of military live. They're yeah. clustered everywhere. Right? Yeah, yeah. So wherever there's like new developments, for the most part, there's just clusters of um, military buying houses because you can just go to brag and never leave. Yeah. Well, a lot of my buddies from group in the 82nd, you know, they just kind of they're we're, they're all retiring now. And of all the guys, my buddy was telling me of all the guys that's in the neighborhood, none of like, they're all retired and none of them work. <laughs> they don't have to, they don't have to You can't I mean, do that here. Yeah. You know, I can't do that in here in Orlando, you know, yeah, but it's uh, gone expensive. I mean, it's not nearly. No, nah, it's not as bad as where you're at, but I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm impressed. They've managed to keep brag down for as money uh as, as many contractors and how much money's invested into that base oh dude there's more money than is being collected you know which is good <laughs> you know because what's that I pines got, place that where all those southern dudes, pines yeah where all the yeah. smu dudes and yeah all southern area. pines and you got uh um you got uh rayford you got fayetteville yeah. nobody likes fayetteville so if you're just me mentioning that's fayetteville right isn't that what yeah, it's called dude. that's where you get shot at the strip club <laughs> so last time i was there man you know it, it's dude i like i tell people i'm in orlando and check this out i i have a, i have my concealed carry and I, I i don't carry my gun as much as i did when i was in fayetteville I believe it. I mean, I, carried... I mean, I was there in Fayetteville. We went out once and I just like, I just felt unsafe. Wait, hold on, babe. Come here. Say, say hello to Javi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but Fayetteville was just, I mean, we went out once and I'm just like, man, I don't feel like, I don't feel safe. And it's a military town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't going to lie. Like I, I, ne- I didn't go out, but it was my first night trying to get some stuff because I, I couldn't bring it on the plane or whatever before I after I had checked into my little hotel on Fort Eustis. But Newport News, like all that area around Fort Eustis, I was just like, man, I need to get back to post because I don't I am in no position to be out here by myself in an area I don't know. I'm just like, this is a little it's sketch. <laughs> yeah, it was. And look at this cat, bro. But um, but yeah, like it seems to be like all the the because jackson's even the same in south carolina man you get around columbia there's some oh, yeah. and that's college town too but there's some areas you don't need to be by yourself in oh bro like you like in fayetteville you don't go same down before gordon you're in atlanta is it is it gordon that's atlanta? augusta god yeah yeah yeah, yeah augusta okay. yeah and that's a pretty city too you know it's yeah. a pretty small town yeah. but yeah no but but man dude it, it just blew my mind like these guys are like my buddy was like, yeah, nope. Like he's like the only guy in that cluster that that's not, that's retired, but still works. And he works because he wants to, but he doesn't have to, you know, you know, but, you know, so it's kind of sad to hear, you know, a lot of some of my buddies that guys I've known for years, they're just kind of just like, you know what, I'm just sitting on the porch. I did my time, but I, it kind of makes you wonder, like, are they, adjusted to have it where are they at you know mentally yeah you know, that's that's where i'm trying to figure out well and that's like i mean i and which is what i get where she's coming from it's like you know we're all about going somewhere but at the same time don't want to be completely isolated to where there's no 
city because both of us like the city like yeah. you know, there's parts of the city that i like and you know there's parts of the city that she loves and the, the cultural aspect which i get but at the same time like i, I am you know it doesn't matter how big the apartment gets it's still a fucking apartment right you know yeah so, <laughs> yeah i mean i'm in the nicest by far one that i've ever been in my life but at the same time like i look at that rent i'm paying and it's not a fucking mortgage payment so it's i'm just a sucker yeah <laughs> but, you know so yeah. uh, but that's kind of where it's at man and you know I, I i will hopefully have a, a much clearer answer by the new year on what the hell i'm going to be doing with my life but yeah no i get it man and uh the hell was that man this is the this is the life with cats bro these these fuckers hey i just finished watching ghost <laughs> ghost was that ghost with patrick swayze and demi man Moore. that old that movie Damn. yeah 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 <laughs> were there cats in it i don't remember any cats man. yeah it was a cat you know because really? the first the first interaction uh, uh patrick swayze has with anything is with the cat oh and, okay damn i have to go he back scares he scares then. the cat Oh, and okay. so I'm convinced cats, the way reason why cats are the way they are is because they can see dead people. <laughs> I believe it. That, that makes a lot of sense. You're probably right. Cause this one over here, look at it. What are you doing? She's a fucking terror, man. Like the best thing we did was get a second cat because the second cat for the most part occupies the first cat throughout the night and they don't fuck with us as much, but Man, if I could, if I had a camera that could capture what this one's doing, it's just like they're just different creatures, man. They really are. Yeah, they're not yeah. dogs. They're their own fucking. They're just weird. In a so good way. Freya, she's my <laughs> she's my new dog, right? Okay. She, and um, I love this. I love this dog. She has a lot of personality. Um, she's like a she's a shepherd and um like husk, husk husky mix yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but anyway beautiful dog smart as can be but dude she has like so we bought her this toy it was a toy it was a one toy but it had two toys in it okay so, so it was like a plush like like snake that <laughs> ate something and then once she tears it up, there's another toy in there. <laughs> Dude, she gets this toy and she just goes apes over it, you know? And she's yeah. like, you can't, you know, like she starts, she starts howling as she squeaks because it squeaks. <laughs> so she starts howling and she's making this noise. And she it's like, you can tell she's thoroughly enjoying it. But then she takes it and she brings it to it to us because she wants us to play with her, you know? And, <laughs> Yeah. So we spend the next, you know, 30 minutes or so tossing it back and forth and she gets to retrieve it. And then, um, and then she wants like, not only she's not done playing with me. So we, we spent about 45 minutes horsing around with this, Mm. this dog. And then tonight she lost a tooth. What? Yeah. So right before we got on. Is she a puppy? Yeah. Yeah, She a puppy. Okay. So it's probably just a little baby tooth. Yeah. Yeah, Just a little baby tooth. Still scared the crap out of me. Yeah, I was like, well, man, this fucking kitten. I, I I wake up every morning. There's like claws hanging out on the floor. Like, oh, dang, just losing claws and just shedding these things. Like, it's weird. <laughs> I haven't seen any teeth yet. I think we I think she had some teeth come out from the other one a couple years ago. But dude, this thing yeah. and this kid, this this dog like piddles like she like if <laughs> if I come home from work and I open up the door, I have to ignore her for the first 10 minutes. Because and then because she because if I give her any attention, she just pisses everywhere. 
got too excited. Yeah. And then she's like, she's shaking her butt. And then so it's now it's going like left and right, like a windshield, like, like uh, the sprayer on your windshield, you know, and, and her tail is like the windshield wiper just it's spraying it awesome. everywhere. And I'm like, come on, man. I just, this is why we can't have any nice. <laughs> so, That's really right. You really can't. So the first thing I do is I come home, you know, and I put her, you know, regardless if my wife is already taking her outside, I just throw her in the backyard, let her get a moment just to get whatever residuals out of her. And then I bring her in and she still manages to like get a couple sprinkles here and there, but it's just, I'm not used to the puppy phase. Yeah, no, I don't have the patience or the the space for a dog at this point in our lives. So that's why I won't do that. But cats are super easy. Just chill. Yeah. They're all, they're ready to go. Um, So let's, let's talk about Ray ocean. (laughs) <laughs> just as i was about to close it all right let's talk about ray ocean what up man like no man. To drop so, bars or what what's that no. dude man <laughs> bro like i get in these moods and it's like so like hip like so hip-hop has always been part of my life right but as i get older i've come to love yeah. and appreciate a bunch of music so i don't know how we could i don't even know how we how we i found we were joking around in our chat and you had brought it yeah, up i think i posted it just because i was yeah, like I it, man. It. i'm not gonna keep things from these dudes I might as well just show it right so man yeah, dude that, that, i started listening to it i was like dude this is right up my alley <laughs> right up my alley and that's funny but yeah, dude, I, I'm, I'm I dig your stuff, man. That's man, that was that's... so. There's there's there was a lot, man, and um, you know, I knew so priceless from my rapper buddy, but his name is Luke. Still lives in Orlando, yeah. um, Luke. But no, I knew you know from the time him and I met each other because we met really young, right? So going back into the especially when the online hip hop community kind of evolved, we were both very much a part of that because i'm i think three years older than luke but it must have been right as i was about to graduate high school as 18 and he was like 15 is where we first came across so there used to be this message board and i'm probably sure it still exists but i don't know i haven't been on it in fucking 17 years rapmusic.com that was the message board right so rapmusic.com was like literally the first message board which at a time when message boards were coming online i think it came out in in, in late 1999 or yeah because i graduated in 99 so I, I remember got on that i think i joined in early 2000 he had already been on it you know as a teenager so he was probably a sophomore i think in high school at the time and you know like the thing with <laughs> the message board rap at the time was like there was no real audio capability through computers yet right like yeah you right. could do some microphone stuff but there's no real recording software. There's nothing that like that. So everybody just kind of came into writing, right? Like you would have right. like these message board battles and, and shit. And then you started forming crews and all like it was, right. you know, and this was like growing up in New York, but now everybody could grow up in New York from their fucking suburbs or whatever. Cause now you got your own right. crew. You're not, you know, you're not Brooklyn versus the Bronx. It's fucking you and Idaho and Florida and people from all over making your little crews. And you would have these written little battles where it's like, all right, you owe us 16 bars by eight o'clock tonight. And we're like, all right. So you just type shit out and you, you have your little crew battles. Right. 
And then like technology started to evolve. And I remember there was this software called Cool Edit. And Cool Edit was the first recording software that came out probably in, I think I got mine at late 2000. I just remember I was a freshman up in college in New York because I was going to college in New York to play baseball. And I remember I got it. I had this little cheap fucking $10 microphone and I had to chip the plastic off so it could sit better on my desk. And you just figured out how to record. Right. And then you started recording and then you started having waves, which are like little beats and like actual beats were going to convert it to wave. And then you started having loops and you could start doing all this stuff. And you're like, oh, shit, we can rap for real. And that is what exposed all these little fucking keyboard, the original keyboard warriors hobby. Right. (laughs) Because you had a lot of dudes who could write, but they didn't know how to rap. They didn't have any flow. They had no fucking persona, no charisma. They just they couldn't rap. Uh, and you put them over a beat and it's just like, man, they got exposed quick because it was just like, wow, you can write, but you can't fucking spit for shit. Like you, you're not a rapper. You're a writer. Right? Right, and that was right. the big thing that kind of went on from like, oh, late 2000, especially early 2001 to like 2003, where you had this transition from the writers who had this huge following and Internet fame, whatever you called it. And then it turned into like, okay, well, here's the people who can actually do both, right? And I could always do both. Like the one thing I could always do before I realized how to write was I could rap. Right. And I I learned that from a a dude. I remember, I still don't know where this fucker is. He's like the only person who's managed to avoid social media. So Mark Radix, if you're out there, Mark, Mark Radix was the guy probably my freshman year of high school, definitely sophomore year, who was the first guy who helped me kind of write. Right. Like my original name was Phantom. Like it was, you know, he's like, right. hey, bro, you sound like a phantom. Plus you're some fucking white dude. So you just got to, you got to be a ghost, right? <laughs> so that was just a silly shit Mark used to say. So we would always go over to Mark's house after school. And at the time, all we were into was like, you know, Wu-Tang Clan and all their offshoots, fucking right. Capadonna. I loved Capadonna. And um, we were, we were, we were, we, we liked Method Man, but our guy was always fucking the RZA. Rizzo was my dude, man. I yeah. loved fucking Rizzo. Like he just so that's so we originally started out like, yo, let's write like Wu Tang, and that's what we did. We didn't fucking man. We grew up in Poinciana, Florida, bro. There ain't no fucking right. Wu Tang like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's how I learned to write, and then the rapping aspect. I always kind of you know, and of course you evolve your flow as you learn and do more, and you start actually hearing yourself recording. You're like, okay, well, you know, let me enunciate this like this, and let me you know do inflection on this word and it just kind of evolved and by the time like i think oh three came around right when i was just getting ready to go to iraq is when i had like the first like online battle tournament i signed up for on rapmusic.com yeah and man i cruised through that shit it was nothing then we got to like the semifinal round and that was like literally the week we deployed and i was like fuck Cause I thought I would win. I really did. Right. Like, I right. really did think I could win. Cause a, at the time I had been writing battle stuff for so long. I love the battle aspect of it. I've actually won probably four battle tournaments. My funniest prize ever, bro. It was like right after I graduated high school, I won a beeper and free services for a month on a fucking. No, dude. Yeah, yeah. This is hilarious. <laughs> I was at this fucking party in the middle of a field in Osceola County and Kissimmee somewhere. And they brought this DJ and they're like, yo, we're going to have a battle contest. Winner gets a free beeper. I'm like, I got this. Sure. And I won that. That was easy, man. But um, I would never say I was a great freestyler, but here's what I learned about being a battle rapper is there's an art to it is when you can make stuff you've written sound like it's stuff you're coming up with at the time. 
Yes. So, so yes. that, I mean, that's a very real thing, right? So people are always like, oh my God, the M&Ms and all these things. I'm like, yeah, they're great. But the, a lot, they wrote that shit before they ever spit it. They just know how to recall it and make it fit in the, to the moment that they're in, right? Right. And so, yeah, I was really good at that. Um, but I remember the, the, the last battle I ever had, I got my fucking ass handed to me by like a legit off the top of the head freestyler dude. I can't remember his name, but it was like 2006 probably 2007 in orlando downtown orlando firestone nightclub what up um <laughs> so no and it was like uh we had been doing a mixtape and uh we did a mixtape with dj jazz who was on i think he was on 102 jams at the time uh but no anyway so the evolution of it was just like i i, I was really good at battle rapping and, and luke had evolved and that dude was winning like online and and radio battles all throughout 2008 i think down in south florida but the that album that we did the ray ocean and prices thing we did a mixtape before that which was all you know other people's beats and stuff so you can't really sell it or claim intellectual property on it and that was called diversity two which is just a real clever way of saying diversity diversity one was prices luke's first album um so diver city 2 we did which i have in my truck still uh, it's not uploaded anywhere but it's great <laughs> and then the ray ocean and priceless album which was all 100 percent us you know bought all those beats one of the guys that did most of the beats on that album ended up really making a name for himself as a producer he produced a lot of the diplomats if you remember fucking cameron and those yeah. dude joel santana he you know, a lot of those beats if you go back and listen to some of my, especially my solo stuff on that album, it's, he's the guy that did those beats, but he's also the guy that was doing a lot of, you know, Diplomats and Cameron and Joel Santana. Uh, and then there's another guy, um, fucking Biggie, uh, you know, a knock name, obviously, but uh, he produced a lot for, he, he worked with the Rum Runners. If you remember, the, they ended up becoming the Runners, but they originated in South Florida, they did a lot, especially for Lou Chris and a lot of those guys in the right. Southern hip hop scene in Atlanta. Now, he was one of the main producers on it. And then some of the other stuff was just kind of piecemealed in there. Um, but yeah, that album was fucking, that was supposed to be it, man. And then I remember we flew to Chicago. We did this rap. They flew us to Chicago. We did the showcase with about 15 other artists. Two of them, they signed on the spot. One of them was us. They brought us back for another like round we sat in there with these execs, this dude from Sony. I remember this was like our biggest offer. The guy was like, yo, we'll give you 75,000 for two albums, but we own everything. And Luke and I both looked at each other like, I don't know, man. Uh, and the only thing that made us say no was he and I both had girlfriends at the time who were pregnant. Ooh, yeah. So that was the moment where it was like, I think if we were single and we had no upcoming fatherly responsibilities we probably right. would have took it and i don't know if it would have been anything um i know we were really starting to build a name for ourselves and then especially in south florida like we ended up printing ten thousand copies of that album and i think right. we sold probably 7800 of them and i know we gave away the rest because we didn't want to have any of it um so we made money off it individually but uh yeah i mean unfortunately like the, the the only real answer as to why we stopped is like parenting yeah responsibility that the, the the conscious decision to be parents as, rather than pursue that dream and then our lives just took off in different directions from that um 
but yeah, I always look back on it and Maddie's heard me fucking reminisce enough when I've been hammered, like, man, we could have, cause we could have, we probably could have. And like, we did a lot of shows around the central Florida area. A lot of, you know, we were at the Pepsi tour in fucking Orlando and on international drive. I still got fucking pictures of that shit where we headlined it. Like, you know, so, you know, made a, made a quick buck, probably could have made more of it. Did a, did a mixtape with DJ slick from MTV. Um, we did a lot in a very short right. time, but like I said, it's a, I it's think we're a, the opposite of most rappers as to where we put our responsibilities to others ahead of ourselves. And yeah, it's doing it's, that it's, honestly took our lives in different directions. And it's one of those, back. it's a tough industry to get the, the, the crack your nut in, you know, that, that was the other aspect of it, especially in Orlando, like, um, that 2016 for sure like hip-hop had really taken on a really negative and violent tone yeah. especially in the orlando area uh there was a group god what the fuck were they called they had a song called swing on everybody and it was huge it was a fucking huge song they were the nicest dudes and i can't remember who they are at this point name wise uh, i still got that song in my truck probably somewhere as well but uh but like everything was just going really, really negative. And like, you'd go into the clubs and you'd see all the same dudes that you either had written with or recorded with or fucking hung out with. And everyone's trying to like maintain this fake ass fucking tough guy persona. And it's just like, man, at that time I was, you know, 26, 27, I was getting older. Right. And I was just like, man, this right. is not what I want my life to be. about. <laughs> like, I'd already survived Iraq and I'm back here trying to just make something. And I'm like, these dudes are just, like it was and that was not just them but it had just been gotten pervasive like hip-hop culture was really really negative and it was really it was getting influenced by the wrong people if that made sense like it was just a lot of violence was starting to creep into it especially in florida and i didn't want no part of that yeah. like i was just i was too old man especially being a new father and everything you yeah know? like i mean that's that's no i just it was the last thing i wanted to be a part of and like you know so my, my my daughter's mother was this guy, Cotton Coffee. So I don't, if you don't know the name, he was a part of uh, Inner Circle. And so everyone knows the song Bad Boys. Like yeah. that was his song. Like he wrote it. Oh, no. It's crap. nothing from it because, you know, he was pushed out. And so I heard so many negative stories from him in terms of how. If you don't own anything, you don't own nothing. And that's that that really stuck with me when we were in that that meeting with fucking Sony. Because yeah. I could tell just like drawing back on that conversation with him, it's like these dudes are gonna give us seventy five thousand dollars. We gotta do two albums. That's another X amount of years just to come up with the material, and we don't own any of it. That's not including uh studio time production call no dude man seventy five thousand yeah. dollars is fucking nothing no i mean because that's gonna get eaten up like yeah. just in and uh nickel and diamond you and yeah. you probably walk away with maybe you know maybe out of seventy five thousand you probably walk away with twenty twenty seven thousand maybe yeah. and there's two that's on a good day yeah so so yeah it, it's it's funny because so like my first, I remember my first experience with hip hop and it was, uh, it was listening to run DMC <laughs> and Aerosmith. Yeah. Walk, walk this, this way. way. Great fucking song, man. And from that point on, man, I had this love affair. I have, I've had this, you know, you, you know, how, like there's some guys that like, they have a they have this affair like they have this kink with uh like asian women or you know whatever <laughs> like my thing has always been the mixture of 
rap and rock you know really? and um like and like one of my you know run dmc is one of my favorite hip-hop bands i would say rap because hip-hop is even though they're part of the same uh, family of music it's two i think it's probably two different genres you know yeah but uh uh somewhat but anyway uh uh, uh what is it uh i'm the king king of rock king that's all oh, yeah. dude there is none higher i love that <laughs> and then it's like the MCs. Anyway, but then like when call me sire. Beastie, yeah, <laughs> the bird down my kingdom. <laughs> Go on. Night, but I'm then good. Beastie Boys came out, you know. And then as a little kid, man, like the Beastie Boys just blew my mind. And um, I just listened to a podcast. Uh, um, There's no dogs in space, and they do a like a four or five or six part series on the Beastie Boys alone. Oh really? And um, damn, I have to check that out. Yeah, because they went they went from one genre, they went from punk to hip hop. Yeah, like they were. I think it was weird because, man, like you go back and and there's definitely this is something we could probably really get into on another time. But man, there was a there was in my opinion there was a very concerted effort on either executives or people behind the scene who pushed the negative into the mainstream for hip-hop yes because mm-hmm. hip-hop was never hip-hop you go back to the 80s look at the bc boys like this shit was about fun yeah, yeah. not fun yeah. like you know and you and people either well i mean like look i i get what it's done for so many people and it's opened so many doors but at the same time it, it's probably more negative than not and that's you know let's just be honest that's fucking nwa yeah yeah so so check this out man i was watching i, I know some people just hate tiktok and then we're probably wrapping it <laughs> up but but i was I, I saw this uh so there's there's this really uh, cool channel there's a couple of cool channels but one of them um you know i started off as a mu- uh, music theory or a music yeah, yeah, yeah. major and there's this one guy who studies hip hop and he does the music theory behind hip hop. It's really good, you know, and he talks about how, you know, breaking the words down into uh, syllables, 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 and, syllables. what up? <laughs> and the different types of beats. So yeah. if you're like a drummer out there and uh, you, you know, you understand beats, yep. you will love his little, I, I can't remember his name, but anyway, there's, but when you know you go through their little algorithm because you you know you listen to his there's this one tiktok that came up and it was talking about these um all these major rappers were um brought together into this meeting and there was you know a bunch of and this guy's trying to keep his anonymity you know he's like he, he doesn't I guess he's still in the industry and doesn't want to get his name destroyed, nor did he want any reprisals to who were there yeah. anyway. So they got all these big names in, in hip hop when it was fun, when it was positive. Yeah. And they said, Hey, you guys gotta, we're going to pretty much give you an ultimatum. You're going to change to a more violent. You're going to make it more negative, let's say. Yeah. And so they got to think, you know, but this room was filled with a bunch of people who weren't in the industry. And supposedly, according to this guy's little, because it was like a four-part series in this little TikTok. Um, some of the people were there were part of these private bit, um, prisons. Mm. And the idea was, hey, if we keep the prisons filled, 
one way of doing it is to do it through music. And I was like, no, that can't, it can't be seems that too dirty. obvious, right? Yeah. It's, it, it just seems yeah, it too seems, cliche, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really cliche. And, you know, kind of like Austin power villain, villainish, you know, and <laughs> it just makes sense. But, it, but then I was thinking, you know what, I can see where people would think that, you know, because there was a time, there was a distinctive line. It's like, it's about the time when grunge, when that we went yeah, from the, yeah, the yeah. glam rock yep. era to the See, we're grunge. stepping into the guns and because I think the Guns and Roses was the Guns and Roses and the Chili Peppers was yeah. that transition. They from, start because if you go back and look at Guns and Roses, their first album, like I mean, Axl Rose was very fucking glam looking, yeah. right? And then glam, it, it turned right. into you know these guys. Right are, now we're gonna be the tough guys from the streets from L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, right? And then, then, then you get Paradise get the City and all that stuff came out and yeah, you know, and then Welcome to the Jungle it. and then yeah. 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 So, you, you know, you, you see this transition in the rock and then you also see this transition in in hip hop, too. You know, it goes mm. from, you know, uh, the the big boom box party stuff to the, hey, drive by, you know, uh, Monte Carlo. Yeah. You know, <laughs> broken down, you know, sound system thing. Yeah. You know, and then, I mean, just... you could always go back. I mean, go to God, what was the dude's name? Who was the one that did uh, Broken Glass everywhere? What, what was that name's name? Uh, Curtis Blow. Curtis Blow. Yeah. I think, nah, I don't no, know. Or, or uh, Grandmaster Flash. Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, he did that. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you listen to the lyrics of that song, yeah, that, I mean, he's describing his, his neighborhood and it's shitty. And it's But it was still like a positive way of right. delivering it. It wasn't like, look at me, I'm so fucking tough because I came from this area. He was just describing the area he grew up in. And right, broken glass right. everywhere. That Like, that was legit. He was describing right. there's broken glass everywhere because that's what he grew up in. But that song, if you go back and hear it and you don't pay attention to the lyrics and you just listen to it, you'd be like, oh, this is, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're just having fun to the song. And right. then, yeah, it really turned into, you know, here comes Easy e breaking through the paper and he's like straight out of Compton. Yeah. Crazy <laughs> motherfucking name Easy, all right? And then, then that... <laughs> You know, now how ironic is it though that like fucking Dr. Dre's and Snoop, they're doing the goddamn Super Bowl halftime show this year. Right. Right. Like, like look at the fucking which is to me just, you know, I don't give a fuck about what John Gruden said, but I just think that the irony is like we're gonna hold this guy accountable and like let's ignore 30 years of fucking hip hop lyrics, you know, like and I'm a part of that at some point, right? I, I've wrote a right. lot of shit that I would never look back on and be like, ah, even when I hear it, I'm like, ah, bro, what what did you write? Well, but, it's art, you know, man. It is, it's, it's art, but it's art, also you know. like that's what it turned into because you know, so if I was a rapper 10 years this. prior, would I have written that way? No, I wrote because Jay-Z was my greatest fucking influence along with Wu Tang. Like I wanted to be those dudes and I wasn't, but I could write like it. Well, let's, let's look at it like this. Let's think of like Red Fox and uh, this, yeah. like, you know, uh, a Richard, like a Richard Pryor. Pryor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, do you so were they, you know, the the comedy that they wrote back in the 60s and 70s? Were they, you, do you think they were like kind of be like, that's kind of cringy now? You know, it, it would probably like, well, in I talked about this a few months ago, like when I watched Blazing Saddles for the first time. You can't make that movie today. Oh, no, no. Right. You can't no. do any. Richard Pryor, like the closest thing to Richard Pryor is Dave Chappelle. And look what they're trying to do to him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like we're and in a society, man. We're the softest uh, we we've ever on. been. We can go on. 
We're the softest we've ever fucking been. And that's why I love Jason Whitlock because he was just breaking down Randy Moss on Sunday NFL countdown, sitting there crying about we go backwards. He's like, he's like, and I get where Whitlock's coming from. Well, I love Jason Whitlock and I, I struggled with him throughout the years because I always thought maybe I just wasn't ready for the amount of honesty he was bringing to conversations, especially like mid 2000s, early 2000s, no, early 2010s. But he's true, man. He's like, are we? And I, and He's honest. I don't feel like him. I didn't grow up with his experience, but he's 100% correct where, and this, I could apply this to anybody's opinion. He's like, are we that sensitive as black people is what he's saying. I'm not saying it, that right. we care what this white man thinks about us. Cause you're not God, you're not Jesus Christ. So why do I give a fuck about what you think about me? And I'm the same way. Like, I don't care what anyone in this world thinks about me. I really don't dude. I've gotten to that point where I'm you're just another man or you're just another woman with an opinion on me. So, okay. If I know it to be false, why do I give a fuck what you think? And that's what he's saying. He's like, whatever context Gruden wrote those emails in or whatever. He's like, who fucking cares? Who cares? And that's the thing, man. It's like nowadays, like nowadays, everything is a, everything is a threat towards somebody else, you know? Yeah. Um, Like things that, we grew up, I call them skint knees incidences. Like, you know, we sk- yeah. skin your knee and you get up yeah. and you just wait for it to scab over so you can have fun picking it. Right. <laughs> um, whereas uh, nowadays these skint knee instances are oh my, like you have a helicopter mom hovering over you crying and wailing because you skint your knee. And now because you, she's crying and wailing, this knee skin, which is something that's going to go away in a couple of hours, it's worse than what it really is mm-hmm. and, in your head. And so now you're the victim because, um, because it's someone you, else's you know, fault that you skinned your knee. Right. I was relaying a story the other day about a fight I got into with this kid um, in high school um, or we were in middle school and he was picking on um, this girl that kind of had a crush on his little brother. And and so to be all, imp- you know, impressive, you know, I I pretty much, you know, got in a, picked a fight with him and beat him up. Well, he, he went home and the next day on the bus, he was like, all right, after school. I'm going to, we were going to fight again. I'm like, all right, whatever. But when we get off the bus, guess who was there? His mom. Yeah. And so I was kind of intimidated by his mom being there. Anyway, no excuse. I got my butt kicked. All right. So I kicked his butt. He, he kicked mine and it's over with. Well, the next day we're sitting on a bus and I'm like, what's up, man? And he's like, nothing much. How you doing? You know? And now we're friends. You know, yeah. it, it was just like, you know, the, you know, for two days, for, for two days, there was this tension between the two of us. And now we're sitting back, you know, talking about football on the bus on yeah. ride to school, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, for the remainder of our of times we knew each other, we were, you know, we, we were cordial with one another, play on the football team, baseball team, basketball team together, marching the marching band together, it had no problems. And I guess the whole point with this is, you know, um, I didn't run home to my mom, you know, I didn't run home to my mom. Um, he didn't run home to his mom. His mom just happened to hear about the fight, you know, and she showed up and, um, but yeah, man, it's just, I, I think 
you know, for as tough as our generation, my generation claims to be, we've raised our kids to be some pussies. (laughs) (laughs) That's full circle right there. I mean, I I, I don't know where it comes from, man. I really, I, 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 every generation just complains about the next. Right. And, but who's responsible? I'm I'm complaining. I'm complaining about my generation, you know? Oh, I know. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I ultimately, I used to say this to my parents. I'm like, I don't know if you guys, you know, all the shit you guys are complaining about, but you're the motherfuckers in charge. Yeah. Right. So same thing now with us. It's like, you know, and that's why I go all the way full circle. I give credit for Joe for stepping up, but like, look, all these issues, who do you think is in charge? We're the ones we're running this shit right now. So we need to take a little bit more ownership and be active in it rather than just sit on the sideline and be like, man, that fucking sucks. Right. Oh, so. bro. It, it's it's cra- it's crazy, man. Like I sit back with my kids and, you know, we just had this incident with um, this weekend where um, I, I, I kind of screwed. I, I guess I kind of screwed my kid over, man. Um, she was having some problems with one of my with some friends of ours daughter and they got at it and they got at it. And come to find out my daughter was she didn't do anything wrong. But I chastised my daughter in front mm-hmm. of the uh, of this other family because I wanted to make sure that this family knew that I actually was going to take kind of ownership was, of it. Yeah. I would take accountability yeah, for my yeah. kid. <laughs> and I was kind of hoping that they would do the same, but they didn't, yeah. you know, and like, just be like, yeah, you know, you should listen, you know, either I, I, I wanted them to validate the issue and how that we don't that's not how we behave instead i just validated the behavior of their kid and this their kid was a little butthead to my kid at the end yeah. of the day yeah, you know yeah. yeah so um and i don't i'm not going to ever do that again you know if my kid's going to be in a butthead i'm going to be like all right yep i'm going to deal with it when we're at home right you know she's a she's a grown woman and you know actually i'm not going to even say another word to her she's she's a woman now you know what i mean so that's not bad you got those kids all grown and out getting ready to throw them out man mine's fucking 16 and she's just texting me a picture of this she's making some rosemary pull apart dough bread right now i'm like hey bro hang on dude hang on to those moments because hey in two years she's going to be 18 i know man she's a good kid man it's, yeah, she looks she's beautiful a, too man yeah i know that's the worst part but whatever and, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. but no we were just in chicago man and like she's just she's just so much fun to be around she's super joy and i, I just go back every time i see her i'm like is this the day where she's gonna be an asshole to me because man, i had plenty of days at her age to my parents and i was like i was a dick sometimes i really was yeah. you know i just but for whatever reason she's just been well, at least with me, I've heard some stories from her mom, but at least with me, she's never, she's never back talking. <laughs> she, she won't. Bro, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm going to throw, I just want to throw on the boxing gloves and just go around for <laughs> with, with my kids, you know, but no, I got some good girls, man. I got some yeah. really good girls and um, they, they, they had to go through a lot, you know, with me deploying. And yeah. I was going to say you were gone a lot too, man. So now now i i cherish every every minute i can have with them i just sent one off to college in yep. utah yep. how's and, that going uh, oh dude it's a, it's a wake-up call for her <laughs> <laughs> i believe it well because i call him i go hey don't be a boomerang baby you know don't, come back don't, yeah but she's yeah. also pretty far away man so like that was me so that's why i was saying like when i went to school in new york to play baseball i was pretty far from florida so i 
I did a lot of dumb shit I shouldn't have because I knew I didn't really have to deal with anything, rake a percussion. Right. But I mean, I also didn't have social media. So, yeah. <laughs> so, dude, dude, these kids got so much at their, dude, remember we have to go to the library? Yes. I, I, I literally like three years ago when she was out here with me for a while, I was like, man, we're going to go to the Sacramento's fucking library. And I'm going to show you the Dewey Decimal System because she had no oh, idea yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it's that's even pretty much lost there. Like, there's a very small section where you can still do that. I'm like, yeah. you need to know what it's like to go look up a book for real. Yeah, not just like let me let me Google where this book's at. And like, no, you need to know how this stuff was accounted for and cataloged and learn how to find stuff based off of what these numbers mean. Or yeah. remember that like the the equivalent of the internet for us was microfish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, scroll, scroll. Oh look, scroll, here's scroll, an scroll. Yeah, you know. And then man. now yeah, everything's just, on Google. Let me just Google it real quick. Yeah, nowadays. You, and then you Google Scholar is another thing, man. I don't know if you've dealt with that with being an ROTC yeah. instructor. But yeah, yeah. Google yeah. Scholar, anything, man. And I had to do that when I was going uh, completing my degree. The other one is, uh, remember, you had to, you know, either had to own a set of encyclopedias. Yep. Or you had to go, you know, go to the library to, you know, use an encyclopedia. Yep. Or when the computer age, you know, we got uh, hard drives, not hard drives, mm -hmm. but uh, so floppy disks. CD, this floppy oh, CD, run, yeah. Encarta. Yeah. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like a $200 program, you know. And yeah, yeah, I remember my brother got the, because I had an older brother and he got the, the set of encyclopedias mm -hmm. when he was in high school. I was like, wow. Yeah, that's what I. You know, How do you even look this stuff up? Encyclopedias <laughs> when I was a kid. Yep. But yeah, bro, it, it, it's crazy because I sat there and you know, I, I, I'm thinking, man, our kids have so much at their disposal these days. Whereas spoiled, man. We had a, we had a, you know, I mean, it. We had it good, man. I'm not going to. Yeah. Gonna admit, uh, we had it real good. Yeah. But they have it so much better and at the same time i kind of think they have it so much worse too because they have everything yeah they don't have that a lot of negativity that of, comes with it yeah yeah the, the opportunity of the frustration of having to use the De dewey decimal system to only find out the book was been checked out you know <laughs> remember that yeah. you go through the file you find Damn the it! Card, fucking cards then, there you're like god where's yeah, this book come back another week yeah <laughs> Why do you only have one copy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now then even I after actually, you just fucking you download books on your phone. Yeah, read, which yeah, I don't like it, doing. I like the physical. I need to I like to hold a book if I'm going to read it. I can't do the whole phone or iPad thing. Can't do it. Yeah, I I start I I did uh I did a few books that way, and then um when I was deployed, I had a, a ebook reader. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know what it's called. But um, yeah, I had to Kindle. Yeah, I like books. They're they they're bulky and just take up so much they room. Take up, take up. They're they're heavy, man. I moved my master's program in my my undergrad when I moved, and man, that was like two boxes of books that I don't even think I read them. <laughs> it's college, man. You just buy books. You don't really read them for anything. Yeah, dude. At I, least that was for political science, man. Like I remember one of my classes. This guy, Doctor Labets at UCF. I don't know what class it was. It was either uh either the fucking the the principles of war or it was the ideologies class but anyway the class had seven books seven. Oh wow 
and not a single question on any exam. We only had three exams that semester. All the questions from the exams came from actually in the lectures. They just, they just, you know, assigned the books just so you could have a, a foundation for the, and it's just like, man, reference material. Yeah. But <laughs> you want me to read this stuff? I'm not even going to get, but I, you know, in the moment you're like, man, it's stupid. But then I go back and look on it. I'm like, man, I should probably go read those books. They probably you know what it is? I bet you, I, I bet you, I know what it is. Check this out. He probably has a credit in the book. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's always you know, he probably has a credit in one of those books, but it's the book is not part of UCF because there's like some ethics things. Yeah. It's actually being used at you know uh at at uh Florida State, but <laughs> his buddy who teaches the same class at Florida State interchanges that book, interchanges that yeah, book, yeah. and then, the you know, thing, so yeah probably man like it's a hustle i'm just not in on that club yet but we'll get there yeah you know you know i gotta get in on the hustle you know i gotta find my yeah you gotta go fucking run for congress so you and joe can get that pension for life man once you get in there. <laughs> nah, bro check this out it, like i i would i would be like the first guy to go in there and be like screw it guess what i'm gonna present a bill <laughs> that do it does away with your pension and you have a term limit and it probably go I'll, nowhere. I'll, no, I won't go anywhere, but I would love it. I would love for you to do it. And I would call them out. And then what I'll do is when a new bill is presented and it is it attached gets your shit on, as a writer. Yep. I yeah, keep attaching this. Out. <laughs> check this out. I, I, as soon as I say I will I will publish every congressman and senator who has talked about trading stocks. <laughs> aligned with those bills and you know like those contracts and everything yep. i would i will let everybody know hey these guys are they're, they're already talking about how they're gonna you know build up their foundation on this and uh just so you know you know they're getting they're getting rich off these bills you know and that because it, it really pisses me off that a person like pelosi can be worth hundreds of millions of dollars and she's been in politics the whole time because she has insider knowledge of what's actually getting you know got the right last it, name too you know and and then it really upsets me that people vote for her and keep her in office knowing that she's getting you know and she says well we need to tax the rich well she, like what rich person uh, it's like this reverse psychology they play on us we need to tax the rich but you were i'm not the rich <laughs> yeah right you know yeah. it's like wordplay it's what we call that in the hip-hop community it's called wordplay wordplay it's the play on words wordplay man. yeah, yeah it's just yeah, whatever yeah. makes people think something about something else that's all yeah man all right brother it's uh yeah. it's that time i have to go yeah. uh i have to go get myself in this kitchen over here and start Listen slaving there, away man. You know, all right, man. Uh, I appreciate you spending more time with me again. Uh, we could probably talk all night, but you know, yeah. Next time, time I'm in Cali, you. next time I'm in Cali, I'm yeah. gonna hit you up, man. You you need to. I know last time you were here and you had some other things to tend to, but yeah, hopefully yeah. you're out here again soon. And uh, I don't know if I'll be in Florida anytime soon, just being honest, but that's all right. Uh, we'll, right. we'll link up, we'll get it done. I, I think, I think if you come back home, you will stay. Nah, that's why I'm not coming home then. So no, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I like my bears at 10 o'clock in the morning during NFL football, bro. I can't. That's that's the biggest yeah. thing is it's all about this West Coast. Plus, you know, I, I'll be at game five tomorrow. Like I said, we're the Giants and Dodgers. So can't do that from Florida. 
Well, I like well, I like getting my chores done before the game. Then I don't have to worry That's about. Fair. I, I also like being hammered by noon, taking a nap until two, and getting up and having the whole day ahead of you still. So trade offs. <laughs> true, right? true, All true. Right. All right, man. All where right. can they follow you on the good old world of Twitter? What's the what's the uh, app? Looking over at looking over. And that's it, man. Um, you can look, you can find me on Instagram at uh, mm-hmm. looking over strange terrain or yeah. It's, and as well as on YouTube, I have a six, uh, six <laughs> episode. Uh, I don't know what you call it. It's just my, me throwing my, uh, my hat in the world of YouTube and trying to check it out. I, I'm going to pick it back up at you some should. point. Yeah, you should. Yeah, man. I just got to, I got, I really got to just, work out my schedule because i'm i'm kind of like i know it sucks I'm, man i'm not running on fumes but i'm i'm trying to keep myself busy so absolutely yeah. well here we go and i'll fire that stuff over to you like i said via text probably yeah, tomorrow man. morning and then uh yeah so there you go follow him on twitter at looking over uh lost he's a land navigator you know expert, yeah, right? yeah. looking over that strange train that's what lost means looking over strange train looking all right and then as train. always you know what to do please like subscribe get on apple spotify wherever you listen to your your, your podcast your youtube find me on twitter at eric twbb for there will be bourbon and then just you know hey share it with the homies all right all right until next time at the virtual bar there will be bourbon all right brother all right later